Hello, Ash. Hey. Oh, hey. this is so weird. Two episodes in a month. <laughs> I know. It's crazy, but I'm so happy that we are doing it because it's just something that, you know, in these dark times anyway, it's just really, really nice to have something to always look forward to and prepare and have that as like a plan in our agenda because right now I feel like loads of us are, are like struggling with routines and find yeah. you know things that we enjoy doing and stuff like that so I'm oh, so cool. glad we are here second episode of January on the last day of January but yeah we, we're cutting it a bit thin aren't we <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that but I was like this last two weeks just went so quickly I don't know about you how did you feel yeah, it's it's all a bit of a blur to me, to be honest. That I think January, in general, has gone quite quickly for everyone. It's uh, gone quickly, but it's also quite. I don't know. I always find January a bit like demotivating, and it's dark, yeah. and it's grey, and it's rainy, and there is nothing to look forward to, especially in lockdown. So, exactly. So, with that being said, what better time to talk about some sunny travels? Absolutely. Um, uh, yes, jetting <laughs> off. I think that that was sort of the inspiration for this episode, wasn't it, really? Yeah. Um, if you want to introduce this one, Anna. Absolutely. Okay, so this episode, um, we are going to talk about, as we can't travel at the moment um, due to everything, we are going to talk about one of, or two, one of in our lives, um, most significant travels and trips um, of our lives. Um, Ashley's going to talk about her trip um, down in the deep south, uh, her civil rights trip in America. Um, I'm going to ask her some questions. Um, she has no clue what the questions are, by the way. So it's going to be like a on-the-spot interview style type of thing. <laughs> um, and I'm going to talk about my Japan trip, my uh, study abroad exchange program that I have took part in whilst I was at um, university in my second year. It was some. It was like a scholarship, um, and Ashley also has some questions for me, which I don't know what the questions are. So she's gonna ask me those questions, and hopefully, with these, uh, you guys can get some sort of insight into both of our trips. And we can, I think, Ashley, we can say that these trips were like trips of a lifetime, no? Something oh, that stuck with us. Definitely, yeah, one hundred percent. I think both of us I mean we were both very lucky to have the opportunity to take these trips whilst we were at university and um, yeah I think it's safe to say two very very different trips but changed our lives for sure so, and way of yeah. thinking and perspectives and and I think if I wouldn't have took part in this uh, trip to Japan I wouldn't be the person I am right now because I've learned so much like it is I've learned so much in this trip and I've gained so much and how much I extended my perspectives is just absolutely crazy. So um, I cannot wait to talk about it. And hopefully you guys are interested in this. And I think it's something that we would recommend once everything eases to do something which is so out there and so spontaneous and so obviously no okay not spontaneous but but because it was planned for ages for both of us <laughs> because it was part of our uni experience but but just something that it's quite scary and out of our comfort zones. Like I think we can safely say that it was for both of us out of our comfort zones. Would you would you say that Ashley? Or would you or do you feel that your trip was just like you kind of had to do it and and it's it's part of who you are and it didn't really feel like a scary thing? What would you say? In my case it was something that I was excited to do from first year 
um, do you remember Joanna talking about it in our yes. Black Atlantic module? And yeah, as soon as yeah. I heard about it, I thought I'm going on that. <laughs> so for me, it wasn't it mm. wasn't too scary. It was I didn't think it was too out of my comfort zone because it was just something that I'd sort of decided I was doing for a very long time. <laughs> it was partly the reason why you changed your whole course no? because yes, you wanted yes. to be on the American studies course so you are able to do the civil rights trip is that correct Ashore? Yeah definitely part of it so it really did shape my entire university experience actually so yeah very, very defining trip for me I would say. I think in the sense when I started speaking about the getting out of comfort zone for me it definitely was the case but then I realized that for you it 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 kind of was always you know the plan since yeah. first year but I feel like the out of comfort zone aspect of this was that you actually were brave enough to completely come out of the degree that you've started doing and you know all the hassle and everything that it contained you've decided to change your whole course because you were that passionate about the topic Oh, that's no? true. Yes, I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah, because that was <laughs> that that was a, quite a big decision, I think. Um, oh, massive! Yeah. I I don't think I would have been brave enough to do it because I'm I'm too. I always think that I failed if I don't complete something, but that's just completely stupid. Because why would I stay in something that I don't wholeheartedly want to do? Yeah. Then I know exactly what I want to do wholeheartedly. So I'm so proud of you for doing that, and I think it was the best decision. Ever. Yeah, no, hundred percent, definitely. So I'm very, very excited to talk about it. I, I talk about this trip at any opportunity that I get. So some of you have probably had this multiple times, but I'm going <laughs> to tell it again. <laughs> well, we we mentioned it briefly, but now we can go into like the really deep aspects of the trip. So um, I think because I am really curious what you're going to say to the questions that I came up with for you. Um, some of them I actually don't. Oh, like I've never actually asked you in this way so I'm, oh. I think there are some things that I'm gonna learn you know okay. from your answers and because you are so articulate and I just absolutely love when you talk about this so I just <laughs> okay I'll, I'll you know pass pass the microphone to you Ashley okay. but first I'm gonna the first question so um, just to kind of introduce the trip I was wondering if you would like to maybe outline uh, your route and the trip and the places you visited so everyone knows exactly what you've done yeah okay so I mean off the top of my head I can't remember exactly where we went in which order there was we went no of course just roughly yes um but to sort of briefly outline we went to six of the southernmost states in America so we went to Georgia Alabama Arkansas Mississippi Louisiana and Tennessee and I'm really impressed that I remembered all of those because I normally forget one. <laughs> so, so well done. Those are the states that we went to. Um, but of course, it was predominantly a civil rights trip, which meant that the places that we were going to um, very often were sites that were very, very significant to the civil rights movement or to sort of um, racial history in America, race relations in America. Um, so we went to a variety of different museums. We went to um, the Edmund Pettus Bridge, which is the site of the Bloody, Bloody Sunday marches. Um, I'm sure you would all be familiar with the photographs if you, if you were to see them. Um, that's in Selma, Alabama. We also went to uh, the Equal Justice Initiative, which is a big law, uh, it's a legal organisation that sort of works towards helping people who have been 
wrongly convicted or perhaps um, given the death penalty. And it's just an incredible organization. And I would suggest that you all go and have a look at it because it's just, it's fantastic. Um, but on top of that, we also had days where we had a little bit of fun. So my favorite place that I went to was New Orleans. Just amazing, amazing. I, I would highly recommend that you all go there at one point in your lives if you can. And we spent a nice day on the beach as well somewhere. I think I want to say Miss. I could be wrong. Somebody will correct me. Izzy, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so it, we, we, I mean, in 10 days, we covered a lot of ground. We went to an awful lot of places, saw incredible sights and met with fantastic people. Um, but yeah, that's a very, very quick outline. Very good, Ashley. Thank you so much for that. That's that's so interesting to like hear. I mean, I, I knew obviously what places you visited, but I just wanted to kind of like have like, a, you know, how, how you would summarize the trip. And, and I just wanted obviously the listeners as well to kind of familiarize themselves with um, what places you visited and what was the, uh, the, the aim of the travel. And, um, and uh, yeah, I, that's the reason why I kind of wanted to introduce um, your trip with this question. Mm -hmm. My second question would be, this is kind of specific to the movement itself. I'm very interested in at, one, at what point in your life did your interest in the civil rights movement start and how did it start and what enlightened you to, make, to be interested in this movement and obviously quite specifically to the US but then also in the UK because I feel like that's sometimes a bit neglected. Mm. Yeah. You know, because it's very specific to the US when we think about slavery and the civil rights movement. So it's quite Americanized, whereas the problem is obviously here as well. But we could kind of talk about this, that it's it's a choice, you know, in, in this British education system as well, what what is put out there in terms of information. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I just want to know at, one, at what point in your life and how did you become uh, interested in the movement itself? And when did you become enlightened to follow up on this? Okay. Oh, I like that question. That's really good. Um, so, yeah, as you mentioned, it's sort of civil rights in the UK is a very, very neglected topic even now. So I <laughs> never actually did anything on civil rights in school until yeah. I got to sixth form. Um, and for any foreign listeners, sixth form, you are... 17, 18, it's like your last years at school. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so I, I did a little bit on the civil rights when I was about 17, I think. And I just found it absolutely fascinating. Um, I mean, I'd heard of sort of Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, of course, you know, everybody's heard of those people. But um, it was, that was what inspired me to look into it a little bit further because I kind of started thinking to myself, there's more to it than this. There's there's definitely more to it than this. Um, yeah. But from a very early age, I, I, I've been asking questions about um, sort of race in the UK, in the Caribbean, in America. And I had never really had the opportunity to actually speak with someone about this, about this history or learn about this history from, from experts. So when I got to university and started studying um, modules that deal specifically with those topics, it was like a little fire was lit 
in my head yeah. and I was like this is this is what I've been looking for this is exactly what I've wanted for years now and maybe I didn't know it I mean when you're sort of not given the opportunity to learn about something it's you can yeah. either go one of two ways you're either just not going to think about it at all or you will just all you want is knowledge and and you will go out there and look for it yourself and I think that's what I did um but it was it was difficult not having the means to do it so university really gave me the means and um sort of the opportunity and yeah I so it's something that I've sort of always thought about but it the passion really grew I think in my first year at uni I think yeah yeah that's that's I I thought I I was actually wondering if that interest of yours was way earlier you know due to your kind of heritage and family history as well because obviously you've got that sort of strain you know in your family that you kind of want that knowledge because of your great grandma and everything um but the actual civil rights uh movement and the whole sort the whole like cultural theory that we've learned throughout university mm-hmm. no yeah political and cultural theory that kind of just blew my mind as well because I kind of have to jump in here sorry Ash because um I've got a very very different experience educational experience to you up until the point that we went to university together mm-hmm. so in Hungary we don't really learn about we learn about the American independence war and that's basically it yeah because Hungary wasn't necessarily involved that much um with the civil rights movement or just with black history in general yeah it wasn't really taught like in high school or in secondary or not secondary school um what is it primary school yeah. or obviously that's quite an early stage but still um it wasn't really taught so then i've picked the black atlantic module with us i had no idea what i'm going into so i felt like i'm starting from absolute fresh yeah. can you believe this it might be a bit like silly for some people to hear because you know you might think that that's such a late age 19 years old to be able to familiarize yourself with such a significant part of history but that's just how it was for no, me no but some people and don't some... don't learn about it at all and i think that's a really interesting point that you brought up about how you did the american war of independence because we didn't study that at all and i'd imagine that's because it's not a part of british history that britain really wants to remember <laughs> so exactly. i think that it, it it is interesting you know depending on which country you are brought up in you will learn very very different histories and very different versions of history sometimes as well absolutely I, and that makes me think that's something that really interests mm. me that you know who decides what to put into the curriculum yeah. and like in 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 britain as well obviously i don't know what what you guys are learning but i have spoken to you and loads of my other british friends um who um completed their education obviously here in the country and i know that what you learn about for example slavery is mostly like you know what what they want to be what what these educators want to teach is that slavery was abolished yes. and then leave it at that kind of thing and the rest is americanized everything else happened in america you yeah. know like that sort yeah. of thing um so it's quite interesting to see that when you have the choice in university to kind of pick out what your interests are that's when you can broaden your perspectives and just want to jump back to the point that you made that you can go one or two ways either kind of never learn about it because it's just not taught so it might it must not be important you know mm-hmm. or get really like submerged into it and want to research and learn everything that you can 
I fell into that category, obviously. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here and talk about these yes. things. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, I was just, I just wanted to jump in here with like my experience, you know, of, of, of this. But um, yeah, thank you very much, Ash. That's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, next question. So, when you went on your trip, if you could only pick one person who you found the most interesting, who would that person be? And can you please tell us a little bit of a backstory on, on what kind of people you met oh. and who you found the most interesting? Oh, you are, you're <laughs> testing me here because there's so many. <laughs> um, you, can pick a few. you can pick a few interesting people that you've met throughout your trip and why you found them interesting. If you okay, want. I'm going to choose two then because these people made a massive impact on me and both for very different reasons. So the first person is Charles Person, (laughs) Mr. Charles Person. And this man is just incredible. He has been through so, so much in his lifetime and seen so much and yet remains so kind, so humble and just so willing to teach others about his experiences. So for one thing, I would highly recommend you all go and look him up because he is a very, very interesting man and still does an awful lot of work um, related to civil rights. But for those of you who don't know, Mr. Charles Person was involved in the 1961 uh, Freedom Rides. And these rides were, um, they were going on all across the South of America or the Southern States rather. and they were in protest against a bill that had been passed. So I would highly recommend you go and check that out because um, I don't have enough time to sort of go through the whole history of it, but it's very, very interesting. And when we were in, um, where were we? Atlanta, so in Georgia, we met with Charles Person and he spoke to every single student that was there. He made it his his sort of mission to speak with every single person so we all lined up and we could ask him one question and he answered every single question that came to him Uh, but not he didn't rush he didn't rush through it he gave you a detailed and thoughtful answer and I just think for somebody to still be so dedicated to their cause that is something that I think is very, very rare. And he wants to pass it on as well. So please go and look up Charles Person. Um, probably one of the most incredible people I've ever met. And I would love to have the opportunity to speak with him or meet with him again. So he's the first person. The mm-hmm. second is Joanne Bland. And for anyone- I knew you were going to say her. <laughs> I knew that the second one was going to be her because Ashley is just, she just cannot shut up about her, meet up with her, like honestly. But so interesting. Okay, let's hear so it. So Joanne Bland, oh, what a woman. She is fantastic. She, <laughs> she reminds me a lot of my grandma um, in that she is very, very straight talking. You would not want to mess with her at all. And um, she was just fantastic. She was so full of life. I mean, so she told us her story. She had been arrested 13 times before the age of 11 for taking part in various civil rights sort of marches, demonstrations, events. And just how incredible, like the character, the strong character that you have to have at the age of 11 to be taking part in stuff like that and to not have that break you. She saw people brutally beaten on marches and it just fueled her even more. 
and she has taken her experiences and her um, sort of her struggle through to through her life and she now runs um, tours through Selma which is where she was born and raised and um, so she takes people along the Edmund Pettus Bridge teaching us the history of the Bloody Sunday March and also just the history of civil rights in Selma because Selma is such an integral part of that movement and she is so so proud of where she comes from and everything that those people have fought for including herself her family and um, yeah just She's an incredible woman. And again, I would love the opportunity to meet with her again and speak with her um, because this woman, I mean, she can put the fear of God into you. But in the in the next sentence, she's sort of joking with you about how the fried chicken is undercooked. <laughs> and it's just like she's just fantastic. And I loved every second that I spent with her. But I, I was very lucky to actually sit next to her um, during one meal and it was like it was like sitting next to like an idol you know it was just, I was so starstruck yeah. she was amazing <laughs> so, no yeah so I know I know Ashley and you've, you've got a picture of it her as well don't you we will we will put that up on our um if you if you're happy to of share course. that obviously yeah, I'll, I'll, on um, on our Instagram and then you can you can see you can yeah. see um because I love what I've loved like looking through Ashley's pictures of the trip because <laughs> every little picture tells a story <laughs> so I wish we'd have more time to discuss these because like uh, it's very 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 amazing how much you took away of this trip and how much you've gained and you made the absolute most of everything I feel oh thank you yeah it was fantastic okay so two people that everyone needs to look up can you repeat the names Charles please? Person and Charles Person amazing I think like just from the way Ashley was speaking about these women it's absolutely worth just taking a look if you are interested because yeah these these people are just super 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 important in our yes. history and in in the way you know the world can continue going towards a new and hopefully better direction you yes know? definitely definitely it's so important that we listen to the people who have lived through that history there's no better way to learn history than to speak to the people exactly that have, have lived through it no, 100%. Amazing. Okay, um, the next question, this might be a really hard one to answer okay. with one thing. Um, so I just wonder if you could tell me what is the major, the biggest thing that you've learned throughout your trip and what is that thing that you took away from this trip, then what would that be? Ooh, you're testing me today. <laughs> <laughs> um, gosh, uh... Or yeah, you can you can potentially like say a few things or just conclude in one. What do you think you took away from your trip when you got back? What was that feeling that was with you that, okay, mm -hmm. this is what I've learned amongst the other million things that you've learned, obviously, in your I trip? I think, okay, you've given me a bit of time to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I tried yeah. to like ramble on and word the question I differently. That. <laughs> <laughs> I think the biggest thing that I learned um, was something that I sort of maybe was already a little bit aware of before I went, but it was just made even more clear to me, is that mm -hmm. history really does have a massive, massive impact on the present. And yeah, that's very, it is very so hard to get away from that because 
this is why it infuriates me when people say that, you know, oh, it happened years ago, people just need to get over it. Well, no, no, absolutely. That is not the case because, yes, it might have happened hundreds of years ago. Or, in, you know, I mean, the 60s really wasn't that long ago. So if you're talking about the 60s, you really, really need to reevaluate like how long ago you think that actually was because that is people's grandparents, great-grandparents, you know? Not that mm-hmm. far removed mm-hmm. from us. So I think that, yeah, what the, what the trip taught me is just that there are things happening today that are directly a, a direct result of everything that America has has gone through and has sort of put its people through. And yeah. it's important to remember that. It's important to teach these things because, I mean, it's an age-old saying, isn't it, that people who don't know history are condemned to repeat it. And yeah. I think that we have a duty to teach people their history so that they don't repeat the mistakes of the past. And I think that it's very, very sad when people are unaware of the history of their nation. Every every part of it, not just the good parts. You should be aware of every single ugly thing that your country has ever done, purely so that you can be the generation that doesn't repeat those mistakes, I think. So that that's the most important lesson that I think I learned. Wonderful. Ash, that was just, honestly, I love, you're such like a fantastic, like articulate and passionate person that I always say this, I know, uh, but like, I love listening to you talk and, and just, you know, give me this insight and knowledge that you are actually, you, you have, and like this passion and, and this enthusiasm and want to, you know, direct us towards a better new world where our generation can actually be the generation that doesn't make the mistakes that our you know that our country or nation or our whole world made in the past because that's how we learn like history is not there to be erased it is not there to be erased it's there to learn from and it's it's absolutely true i completely agree that loads of things that happened in the past you know absolutely have a hundred percent effect on how we are and how we live right now on the present you know the climate the politics the nature of humans everything is just and and if you're there to open your mind and actually learn from it and and you know try and push your family friends or whatever change you can make towards the direction where you would like the world to head towards is a win Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Okay, um, my last question that relates to this a little bit, actually. Um, this doesn't really have a direct answer, I don't know. But like, if you could maybe um, recommend some ways in which the listeners or anyone could, um, like what, what sort of work or changes can be done from like an ordinary person? Like when, you know, when people say like, oh, who am I to make a difference in this mm-hmm. world, you know? Um, like what do you what would you recommend um, amongst obviously educating yourself that's a very very broad uh, thing but if you could specify some things that people can done to familiarize themselves or support the movement or just learn what 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 would those things be I mean there's there's so many different ways that people can get involved and and this is a conversation that I have with an awful lot of people um, after the murder of George Floyd Um, Obviously, that sparked massive debate and and 
well, it shouldn't have been a debate, um, but massive conversation um, globally. And I think that the first step is to to educate yourself, to read up on these things, to read about history, yeah. find articles. You don't have yeah. to read whole books about sort of slave history or segregation or the civil rights movement. You don't have to do that, but read a little bit, learn about the history, learn about why people were so enraged by what what happened and, and what continues to happen, not just that isolated event, but you have to understand why people are so, so angry that this keeps happening. It's not just a single event. It's not just one person. This happens all the time. So the first step is definitely to educate yourself a little bit. And then I think that, you know, after that, um, there are multiple things that you can do. I mean, there's petitions out there. You, you can always sign petitions. You can donate a little bit of money. I mean, I know that might be hard for some people right now, um, but every little bit helps, you know, every little bit helps to causes like this. Um, and then the last and final thing I kind of think, um, educate others. Once you feel that you're in a position where you you have sort of broadened your knowledge of these um, incidents it's then your duty to educate others and I have spoken with family members about this who maybe had a different a different view to me and it's not about telling somebody that they're wrong I, I think I'd like to make that very clear it's not about saying that somebody else's views are wrong it's about challenging them and saying okay well why do you think that and 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 yeah. sort of maybe try and help somebody see a different perspective um so yeah there's an awful lot that can be done an awful lot amazing yeah ash absolutely absolutely that's that's really 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 interesting and that is what i'm trying to do and i'm learning every single day anyway so um like i learn something new every day um about not just this but a lot of things like constantly educating and you know being the most knowledgeable version yes. of yourself um is is the most important thing oh, i 100%. think Amazing. Okay, these were my five questions, but we might go back to the the tri your trip anyway. With with I don't know what sort of questions you came up with, <laughs> but um, but we we might jump back and forth. But I I think that gave us such a good insight of of what you've been through and uh, what that trip was about and what your experiences are and what you learned yeah. from it. So thank you so much for your answers, Ashley. I'm very intrigued to 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 hear these and listen to you talk about oh, this. Oh, you're I love welcome. It. And I really enjoyed those questions. They're, you <laughs> clearly really thought about those. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad. So, I'm glad. Okay. Okay, shoot. so your first question. This one, I don't know, this might be a tricky one, but I thought it was quite fun. Okay. So what is one custom or, oh, actually, no, sorry. Before we start, Anna, would you like to just tell us a little bit about what you did whilst you were in Japan? Just kind of introduce your trip a little bit. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, well, with with my Japan trip, so I've studied English literature, English with American literature at uni, and there was this opportunity to um, take the study abroad program to go to Japan and teach English for Japanese students at university, um, which was I thought amazing. So I applied for this, and amazingly, I got the opportunity to go, and I went to a little. Um, 
place called Fukuoka. Um, and that's just the name of the prefecture. And I went to uh, Kitakyushu. So you have to cross the mainland to get to this little, it's like a, an island. You have to cross the mainland to get to it. It's quite close to Nagoya and, um, not Nagoya, sorry. Um, oh my gosh, I can't remember it. <laughs> Whatever. Um, it's, it's not that far from, like you can fly to Tokyo and Osaka and, you know, the, the main places that people associate Japan with. Um, so I went there and I lived with a host family for three and a half months and I taught English at the local university called Sainanjou Gakuin University. And we had our amazing, you know, lecturers and, um, and our friends, for example, I had, a, I had a friend called Rika, so shout out for Rika, who came to Winchester to study abroad. And we actually met in England and she came to visit me in Hungary. And she was back in Japan after her study abroad exchange in England. And she was waiting for me basically in Japan. So I was very lucky to have her. I already knew someone there, which was amazing. So yeah, so it was a study abroad. And at the end of it, I gained a TEFL qualification, meaning that I am able to teach the English language to foreign students. And whilst obviously being there, um, being at university, it was more like a cultural lesson, a massive cultural lecture, um, living with the host family and obviously embracing everything about the culture. So Amazing. that's it. That is the outline. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I thought it would be silly to start the questions and not speak to you a little bit about why you were there. <laughs> so that's <laughs> I think we've mentioned it before, but yes, I am the exact same as you. I love talking about it and every opportunity that I can take to speak about it, I'm so, so okay. happy to because it was Well, I think you're going to like this first question then. <laughs> Let's hear it. So, okay. What is one custom or cultural difference that you wish we would adopt in the UK or Hungary or Hungary? Godness, that is hard. <laughs> that is really hard. Um, so it could be just, I think, the outstanding politeness and not wanting to get in anyone else's way. Yeah. You know, it could be if you like break it down to the absolute core, kind of minding your own business mm -hmm. in a way. So when I went to Tokyo, which is one of the biggest cities and busiest cities in the world, I've never felt like someone's pushing me or I feel claustrophobic or, or, you know, oh my God, I hate this tube because people are pushing against me, swearing at me. I can't just, I can't breathe, which I sometimes feel in London yeah. or the bigger cities or even in Budapest, actually. Because Japanese people are so reserved in a way that they would never, ever, ever, you know, bother you and, and you know, get into your aura and your space. Like, I felt like I have my space, even though the city itself was crazy busy. So that sort of giving the other the respect and 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 you know being so polite and understanding what the others are doing and like really reserved and clean like that sort of um i don't know which is in their nature i think if we could adopt that like this place would be so mm. much happier like it's just a significant difference i can't even explain yeah. that's just one of the traditions that i can think of but or one of the um cost customs or one of one of the cultural differences that that I've noticed whilst That's being very there. interesting. Yeah, I, I, I understand that yeah. an awful lot. I mean, I think that globally, Japan is sort of known for being a very, very polite nation, um, very, very sort of 
easy to get along with. And from what you've told me, it seems as though that is very much the case. Yeah, no, 100%. But and, and this could also be implemented to like the way they eat, the way they socialize, like everything is circulated around that. So I would say if I could pick one thing that it would be this because the way they eat, the way they speak and socialize, like everything comes down to that fact that they just don't want to interrupt you and you know you 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 have your space and they have theirs and then you know what else can you want in a yeah. world peace like that's it Perfect. isn't it we could, we could learn a lot from the japanese couldn't we i think oh 100 percent. i think right now as well you know familiarizing ourselves with the japanese like philosophies and cultures as we said in our mm. previous episode is very yeah. important could help a lot okay so this next question then is a little bit of fun <laughs> so I know how much okay. of a foodie you are. So, what oh, was your favourite dish that you tried whilst you were in Japan? Oh my gosh, this is actually <laughs> really easy. I have to say ramen in Kitakyushu. Oh. Like, Kitakyushu ramen is like a specific one as well. Like, you get different ramens in different cities. We went to a hot springs place. Again, I cannot remember what the name of the place was. It was an onsen. Onsen's called the Japanese hot spring space. And that was a completely different ramen tradition. But in Kitakyushu, when you go in the streets and find like a little hidden ramen place, which you would never like enter, you know, normally because you're not local and you have no clue where to go. And Kitakyushu is not particularly touristy anyway. So nothing's written in English. Everyone, everything is in katakana and uh, hiragana. So like you just see literally the Japanese writing everywhere. So I love that also because like why the hell do you need to always write everything you know and, and adopt to to then people come here you know it's it's their country it's it's written in their language like and and they are helpful if you yeah. need help or whatever but sorry uh, back to back to um the food ramen in a little ramen shop is just like a beef ramen you can get like noodles so like the ramen is like I, if anyone doesn't know what a ramen is a soup with noodles in it and it also comes normally either pork chicken beef and there is a boiled egg on top and this is a spicy one I'm talking about. Like, literally, I'm salivating. It's so delicious. <laughs> um, and, and literally, it's just amazing. And you know what? This is so interesting. Because you know that, like, slurping here in, in the UK is, like, a rude thing. Like, you shouldn't slurp yeah. your soup and stuff. Whereas yeah. there, it's a sign of you enjoying That's your so food. Funny. And they are... Oh, my God. They are... I'm not, like, a particularly super slow eater. But these guys, my host father and host sister, they literally opened their throat and swallowed the noodles in one. And I'm like literally <laughs> still eating it with the chopsticks and the soup. Like I only had like two bits of noodle and they are already ordering like a second one. And for like 10 yen, you can get a refill where you still got soup, but you still need, you need noodles in it. So oh. ramen for sure. But I also mm -hmm. loved the sushi places I went to obviously that's mm -hmm. an obvious answer I love okonomiyaki which is like an egg omelette but you actually cook it on your table so they bring all the ingredients and you cook it on your table and flip it I've got so many funny videos we can maybe put one on our um, Instagram of me trying to flip this oh, and completely fucking it and it went everywhere but yeah that's also amazing but ramen oh is, I is love that okay I, I had a feeling you were gonna say that I had a feeling <laughs> oh. 
because when we went to your city yeah. I ordered ramen and I kept complaining and I was that idiotic like snob person you know like oh I've been to Japan this is not the same <laughs> oh god it's, it's so hard not to there isn't it once you've had some like some proper food like from the country I mean I know this is not quite the same but when I had soul food in America oh there is no like there is nowhere in the UK that compares to having proper home-cooked soul food in the south I I I stand by that. You can argue with me on that, anybody, and I'll fight you. <laughs> Absolutely. And what was your what was your top food that you or top meal oh, that you had in okay. America? Okay, so it's very very specific actually. So it was soul food, but it was in this tiny little church that we went to, and I can't for the life of me remember where it was. So again, somebody that went on the trip, please let me know. You'll know exactly which one I'm talking about. I can guarantee. <laughs> And this this lovely, lovely church group put together this huge meal for us. And there was fried chicken, mac and cheese, collard greens. I think there was some pumpkin pie. I could be wrong. Maybe it was sweet potato pie. I don't know. Uh, it, to be honest, to me, they kind of tasted the same. <laughs> but... I, I think they're the same to be like they always I, I never know no what the idea. I'm is. sure there are some American <laughs> listeners who are going to chastise me for that but <laughs> but that I think was the best meal that I had and you know when you can just taste the difference between sort of home cooked food that's like it's there's Absolutely. a lot of love in it and that was yeah that was my favorite meal I think fantastic <laughs> nice lovely lovely jovely sounds amazing I want to oh, experience you can come that as well <laughs> Sure. Okay, so next question. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. This one might be tricky. Was there anything that took a while for you to get used to while you were out there? Oh, very interesting. I like the question. Um, okay, so I think the the toilets. This is very funny. <laughs> but the smart the smart toilets, like they literally. Um, oh my god, again, I don't remember the Japanese name, but they are like just a hole and you basically squat above yes, it and pee. Yes, you say that. So, so it's not a normal no. European toilet. It's like a oh, hole. I did the same thing. Quite literally. I, I, I did the hole. same thing in Malaysia <laughs> like, and I don't, think I've, <laughs> I don't think I've ever felt such a sort of cultural difference being somewhere. We, I think it was just in a little train station yeah. somewhere in Malaysia. And I went into the toilet and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I know that that was luckily my host family had a normal European toilet, but still, when I stood up, it like cleaned itself. And the first time like, it made me jump, I was there like literally what the hell's happening? And it cleaned itself and it just like made it super like tidy and everything. I think that and the other one is also funnily enough, like bathroom related the actual it's so it's not like a shower that they have. You've got like the shower head but then you're not stepping into a shower you're standing on the floor and then the water kind of gets drained into the yeah. drain eventually or you can obviously stand in the bath but then the water just doesn't go down the drain because and this is because I've asked this from my friend Malcolm who was also our you know cooperator basically he was the one who is in touch with University of Winchester and you know they are um, organizing the exchange program he's from New Zealand and he also said this that he it was he found it quite hard to get used to this but Japanese families like to fill up the bath and then the families have a bath together oh. basically mm -hmm. instead of showering so that is the reason why 
there is a bathtub in every single Japanese oh, family what? home. And this weird shower when you're just standing on the that floor. It's very, very different, isn't it? Very different. Yeah, I, I think I'd struggle with very, that. Very. I'm, I'm quite a... Well, I suppose I'm very British when it comes to <laughs> being naked. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> I'm, I don't know if you're going to ask about this, so I have to mention it here, mm -hmm. the nakedness. So the onsens, the yes, Japanese, yes. you know about this, actually. The, Jap the Japanese hot springs... Um, the thermal baths basically they are you are not allowed to go in and in bikinis or anything you are like women and men yeah. they have separate ones but everybody is naked everybody is naked so japanese people are reserved but not when it comes to nakedness so everybody is just going in naked you even have to like you've got like a bucket and you wash yourself before you enter so you kind of like are pure and then you enter the the hot springs first like me and my friend laura who was also the other um a university of winchester student who came with came to japan and we were doing this whole cultural experience together first it was like literally running <laughs> naked into the and we were like ah this is so weird you know like literally running naked into the hot springs and we were like oh but this is actually so nice i feel so free <laughs> It was amazing. We loved it. We loved it so much. Like the first first time it was weird. But then after that, um, we just really, really enjoyed it and we embraced it. So we were like, fuck it. Let's just take off, take off our clothes and jump into the nice hot, warm hot springs and watch the volcanoes in the background. It, it was amazing. It sounds just so cool. pretty amazing. <laughs> just loved and it. To be honest, I think that because it's such a normal thing in Japan, nobody's like, nobody's looking at you. Nobody's staring, you know, they're, they're all just there to have a good time. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the thing the only thing why they, why they would stare at us like laura has um i hope she's listening to this she has like tattoos on her thighs like quite big tattoos and you are not allowed in with tattoos actually but the, no one really told anything to her like they didn't say anything because obviously um um the um oh my god why can i not remember anything why can i not remember the name of the mafia the japanese mafia? I, I know exactly what you mean i don't know the name but i've read somewhere that um yeah tattoos in japan are associated with this you know the japanese mafia so it's kind of if you've got a tattoo you're part of a gang or you know somebody to be scared of exactly. basically i think maybe that's changing a little bit now but it used to be the case didn't it yeah, I think they are a bit more open-minded. Yeah, I think they are a bit more open-minded now about it. But um, Laura's, Laura's was worried about, you know, going in and then yeah. they tell her off for something. But no one really stared, no one really cared. So that was, that was I think, I think now they are being a bit more hmm, about it. But you don't really see anyone That's with tattoos in Japan. in itself. Oh, if I can think of the name of the, oh, it's annoying me, but whatever. I'm not gonna, not gonna beat myself up Instagram about it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, next question. Oh, okay, so you may have just answered it. What is one thing that you would recommend to everyone who travels to Japan? I think, yes, I think absolutely going to an onsen for sure. Like that's going to be like a completely different experience. Going to one of like the Japanese like traditional restaurants and like open-mindedly try anything that you know that that you they order for you or go to one of the sushi markets the um in in tokyo uh one of like the sushi markets or kyoto like and and order just one of the big platters that's also fantastic if you are able to i was so lucky that i was able to but wearing like kimonos in japan like renting a kimono and walking around like springtime that's just and going like 
springtime then um the sakura the cherry blossom is is blooming that's just magical i've never seen anything more beautiful and even as i speak about it i like have tears in my eyes because it was when i arrived i felt like literally ashley like what is this if this is not my angels up there like i arrive and the cherry blossom normally comes way earlier than when i arrived at the end of march and literally the day I arrived, I saw the beautiful cherry blossoms starting to bloom. And like it was all over the floor and everywhere. And I just looked around and I was like, oh, my God. I fell in love with everything, like everything about the country. I was like, oh, my oh, God. It me, you know, that. that's beautiful. <laughs> but there are so many things that I would love, love to do again. And, you know, stuff that I haven't done. And yeah. But these, 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 I think, the top ones oh, that came perfect. to my, my head. Well, you've actually already answered my last question. So I'm going to think of another one quickly okay. off the top of my head. The last what was one was, the, if what you was could the last do something one? again, just, if you um, could go back and do something again, what would it be? Um, but you've just answered it. So. <laughs> everything, really. But, like, that's the thing, like, everything, Ash. Like, I would do everything again. But uh, just going to it, yeah. I would love to go back to Kyoto because we traveled to Kyoto, Osaka and Tokyo. Um, but I've only spent a weekend in Kyoto and that place blew me away. Um, I just arrived there and like there were shrines in every corner and you see like Japanese geishas walking around in kimonos and I felt like I'm in a different world. And that was just, and the buildings and everything, you are, you just cannot believe how different it is and how amazing so it is. And I felt like I've been there before, like it's weird, but I've never been. But but I just felt like, and I would love to go back there and spend a bit more time there because we only had sort a weekend. Of like coming home almost. Um, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Sorry, like, as I say. Sorry, I just can't <laughs> shut up, honestly. Um, I, as I say, like, Kitakyushu is not, like, a place that loads of people visit because it's not particularly very touristy. Um, but um, but it's just a wonderful place because you can really submerge yourself into the culture because there are no mm, distractions, yeah, if you get yeah. what I mean. Whereas with Tokyo, I was a bit distracted with everything around me. Like, I really liked it, but it is a very busy, very, very big city. But it is just so cool. Like, the teenagers there as well. Like, you just have to see, like, everything is kawaii. Kawaii meaning oh, yeah. cute. Like, if, every, if something has, like, a cute label on it, they're going <laughs> to buy it. And, like, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy how, like, different, like, the teenager-ness is in Japan as well. Like, it's just... They love doing, like, I don't know, stuff that we would never do here in England, like putting colored contact lenses in, into their eyes because that's fun. Or like mini little makeup -y stuff, you know, like, and the paler you are, the better in Japan. So they actually hold up, like, these sun umbrella things for them not to get tanned. When me and Laura were, like, literally sunbathing with, like, yeah. everything out in the park, we were like, people just looked at us like, what the hell are you doing, Tuji pose? Oh, that's so funny. But you've actually, you've, you've sort of just given me another question, actually. So you've kind of talked about no. um, the sort of different sides of Japan that you saw, the sort of more bustling and busy Tokyo, and then the sort of maybe quieter areas like Kyoto. I mean, I could be wrong, because obviously I haven't been to these places. Um, but would you say that, which, which, which part of Japan kind of spoke to you a little bit more, do you think? 
I have to, I'm biased, but I have to say mm. Kitakyushu, where I stayed. Like, that was the place that I felt like I'm home. And, and you know, I didn't mention this, like, to great detail, but I loved my host family and I was heartbroken when I had to leave. Like, I, I could have absolutely stayed longer. So, like, obviously I missed my boyfriend, I missed um, my home and I missed everything. But at the same time, like, I was absolutely heartbroken that I had to leave. So my host family and that connection to Kitakyushu itself, the parks, um, just the university, the girls, because it was an all-girls university that we taught English at. So, like, and they, they adored us. We were like the celebs, I swear. Like, they oh. lined up to take selfies <laughs> with us. That's how much they loved us, the three Winchester girls that went. Um, and, yeah, I gave, like, a talk about this trip I think to like first year university students and then I said that there were two options actually that we could choose to go to Nagoya which was like a way busier um, integrated with loads of international students at the university Winchester would just be one of them and then I've picked this one because I it felt so intimate and I do not for one second regret this decision because it felt so intimate and I felt like I am absolutely yeah. submerging myself into it and and also like the Kitakyushu um, castle is one of the be most beautiful buildings I've seen throughout my whole trip. So if you could ever visit it, please, please do. I will we'll put some pictures. I've took a picture when the cherry uh, blossom was like blooming and I have oh, a picture of the actual good. castle. So we'll put that up for sure. Um, so yeah, I think I would say the quieter, but just because I'm really biased because of the experience, whereas mm -hmm. I couldn't connect to Tokyo that much, but I yeah. did love it there. It was really cool. We went for like five days with Lors um, and it was really, really, really cool. And, you know, seeing like the Harajuku district, which had like plenty of people mesmerizing, vibrating, loads of shit. <laughs> Literally, you could buy all the shit in the world. And like going to cafes, like cat cafes and cats are like around you and oh, you can smoke that. them and drink tea. And just Japanese like tea ceremony. Like that is also something I would want to do again, like a matcha tea ceremony. In, in in kimonos like that is like i've never had matcha world, tea and i it? keep seeing it coming up on my like instagram feed and stuff and i'm like i feel like i really need to try this <laughs> you need to try this i'm not sure if you're gonna like it like my boyfriend will for example he doesn't like the taste it's very earthy it's very grassy but i loved like matcha ice cream for example because it's a subtle yeah a bit grassy taste but then but then it's just I don't know. There is something about it that I love, like the Kit Kat flavors, you know, in, in Japan is like crazy, like matcha and cherry blossom flavor and you can get whatever oh, you wow. want, whatever oh, you honestly, want. Honestly, I, I, I would it's... love to visit Japan. I really would. I feel like everything that I'm sort of reading about it and learning about it at the moment just makes me want to go even more. It just looks like an absolutely incredible, just beautiful country. It really does. Absolutely. It, it it 100% is and whatever expectations I had this is what, I, what I'm going to conclude with okay Ash like whatever expectations I had before I left it ex exceeded it but like to you know a million million times better than what I thought is going to be and I already thought it's going to be amazing I thought it's going to take me ages to adopt but it didn't I'm actually quite adoptable as a person, I feel. So, like, I can very mm. much embrace the newness of things. So maybe that's me too. But I also feel like it's 
it's the place and just my experience in general. But I was extremely lucky for being able to experience all these things. Like we literally had cultural classes, like to, you know, play like traditional instruments, like the koto thing. They had like these weird picky things and it, it's it's like a weird violin. And like just the onsen trip, the kimono trying, the sushi tasting, whatever, like it's just... It was wonderful. So it is absolutely above all my expectations and the philosophy and the people you would see, <clears throat> excuse me, what I talk about when you when you go there, Ashley, and you will in once in your life for, for sure, because it's it's something you need to see. You need to see. And literally, when you see the cherry blossoms, that's that like it, it, it was a dream. It was an absolute dream. And oh, my God, how much I miss it and how much Fantastic. I want to go back. Oh gosh! Well, so how much. fun was that? Just <laughs> that was so much fun. <laughs> that was so much fun. I'm really conscious that I've been talking a lot, and it's 56 minutes. So maybe, maybe let's wrap it up there, and then everything that we kind of talk about, we can put some stuff up on our Instagram, which is the at a plus podcast. Um, so yeah, maybe check those out pictures out. Page. Yeah, um, obviously we'll we'll post updates for February's episode um, as well. So keep an eye out for that. Mm-hmm. Also, um, if you enjoyed this episode, just maybe let us know where have you travelled to? What was your favourite thing that you did? Because we'd love to know. We'd love to know. Absolutely, because there are so many places that we haven't seen and want to, and all the recommendations are welcome. And yeah, just rate, subscribe, review, whatever. Until next time. (laughs) Bye. Until next time. In each episode of this podcast, we will discuss a variety of topics, whether that is university life, cultural and social discourses, current life affairs, films and series, lifestyle, friendships, nerding over books, and so much more. The possibilities are endless. As much as we're here to share our ideas and experiences with you, we also can't wait to learn from you guys. The podcast will be published monthly, where Anna and I will chat about a specific topic and finish each episode with a discussion on a chosen book for the month. We will choose a book for our book club each month, which you can read with us and send your thoughts either by emailing us. Our email address is apluspodcast2 at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram. You can find us under the username apluspodcast. We invite you to send us your recommendations via email or Instagram. And if your book is chosen, you'll receive a special mention in the next episode. Please go and follow us on the good old socials and join us for this brand new and super exciting journey. It's never too late to learn something new.